Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Launch School Podcast. Today, I will be speaking with Julius Zerwick, who is a software engineer at DigitalOcean. Julius's story is really interesting in that he has the unique perspective of having gone through a different coding bootcamp and then went through the Launch School core curriculum and capstone program. It's interesting because we at Launch School get asked to compare ourselves to other coding bootcamps a lot. And it's just something that I have a hard time doing since I haven't gone through another bootcamp before. So that conversation will be useful for a lot of folks who are looking at various coding bootcamps and learning options and just trying to compare those options with Launch School. Julius also talks about what his day-to-day is like at DigitOcean, and we also chat a bit about the importance of soft skills. Finally, we talk about a book that he's working on. At the time of this recording, which is back in August, it's February now, we couldn't talk about the title or publisher, but now we can say that he's working on a book titled Make Sense of Distributed Systems, and that's going to be published by Manning. It'll, of course, be required reading for our capstone program. And lastly, if you enjoy the conversation, remember to leave a positive review for us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. It's a great conversation, so I hope you do enjoy it. Welcome to the Launch School Podcast, where we discuss education, programming, and how to build a rewarding career in software engineering. All right, welcome to another episode of the Launch School Podcast. Today I have Julius Zurich. Uh, Julius finished Launch School and Capstone about half a year ago. Is that is that right, Julius? Yeah, um, I finished Capstone in December of 2018. So right now, about eight months ago. Eight months ago, right. Um, and you, I guess your job was quite quick or it feels like you've been working for quite a while now. Um, how, how long was that duration between sort of finishing off Capstone and um, getting getting started on your work, on your job? Well, with the, with the winter cohort, we always have a little bit of that break with the holidays. So I started the job hunt in first week of January, moving to New York. And I started at DigitalOcean March 23rd. So about, with all told, about almost three months. Okay. Um, oh, that's including like the holidays and stuff. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so, well, before we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, um, but what are you, what are you working on DigitOcean? How's your day to day? You know, now that you've, you know, finished um, launch goal, finished capstone and uh, have some experience working. What, what's your, what's your day to day like? Yeah, so um, I'm at, like you said, I'm at DigitalOcean, um, and the team that I joined um, is the software-defined networking team. Um, and the main encompassing goal of the team is to just ensure that um, we have um, all the data from when clients uh, create and use our um, end product droplets, which is basically a way of just hosting content. Just making sure all the data passes um, down the line correctly and back. Um, we also manage um, IP address management, um, creating private networks for companies. Um, so a lot of computer networking. Um, and pretty much everything I do is mainly back-end focused. I haven't really touched anything front-end related since hmm. I joined DigitalOcean. Um, what about your just date? Like how, um, what's the culture like in terms of just working um, starting your day, like what do you guys have, um, like a morning meeting at a certain time or is it pretty, pretty flexible or everyone's in the, like, is it open workspace or do you get private offices or like what time do you go to work? For example, I'm just kind of trying to envision, um, your, your day. Yeah. And I can totally do that. So, 
Um, DigitalOcean is pretty flexible on just about everything. So for me, I typically go into the office um, kind of earlier than most people. I usually am in the office at around 9 a.m. Um, most days of the week um, because I like to have kind of like a quiet period of time in the morning to just focus and do some deep work um, on uh, you know my tasks. Um, and then you know we don't really have any meetings in the morning uh, because around 50% of DigitalOcean's uh, workforce is remote. Um, the East Coast kind of gets the early start on everything. So and most of my team is actually on the West Coast. So um, I don't hear from them until almost lunchtime here in New York. So morning, come in, um, grab breakfast, uh, which Dio provides, which is great. Um, work, quiet, quiet period for a while. Um, have lunch, which is also catered. Um, and then usually after lunch is when everyone on my team is online and we have you know, just check in with each other on Slack um, and our progress on our tasks. Um, we used to do stand-ups every day when we were in like a critical part of our development cycle for getting our projects into production. But now that things have kind of eased up a bit, we actually don't check in every day. We just message on Slack like a daily kind of like, um, you know, this is where I'm at with all my work and if I'm blocked on anything. And so then the afternoons are kind of that, catching up, um, more work on like um, just, you know, PRs and everything, some more meetings. And usually I am out of the office by around 5, 5.30 p.m. every day. That's, that sounds amazing. So, and because a lot of your colleagues are on the West Coast, I mean, you can work from home, I guess, a couple of days a week if, if you wanted to or needed to. Actually, yeah, actually, I, I don't really need to tell anyone that uh, I need to come into the office where I'm working from home. I can just work from home pretty much any day of, of the week. Um, and uh, in fact, you know, I could work remotely from pretty much anywhere as long as I give some uh, heads up to my team and my manager. So, you know, going home to see my family uh, in Texas and just working remotely is not a big deal. We actually had a teammate who chose to just take two months off and go check out Costa Rica. And he he was in Costa Rica working remotely for two months and it was no issue. So Dio is very, very flexible. Um, and I think it's just one of the big perks for why I actually chose Dio. Um, so yeah, there's, there's really honestly like no hard time that I need to be in the office um, so long as I can connect to a meeting. So are you, are you willing to share uh, how much you make? I mean, everything sounds great. I'm just kind of wondering if you're willing to, is that, is that something that you're, uh, we, we can edit it out if you don't want to do that. No, I'm, I'm totally happy with, uh, with sharing my salary. Um, I fall on the side of there's no real reason not to share. Um, and I feel like it's beneficial to everyone to know what is out there and just to make sure that they're getting a good offer and everything. So my salary um, is 137000 a year. Um, and given the high tax rate of New York that comes out to around 95 to 98,000 a year after the taxes. That's not, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, that's really good. Now, I, I, I love your attitude on salary transparency. I feel like um, I, I have a very similar thought to this in that I've noticed over the years as we do capstone, salaries keep increasing. And obviously I think we're doing a better job um, as we you know, gain more experience. But at the same time, I think a um, contributing factor to this is that we share salary numbers with everyone, right? We, sh we show our averages on our website on logical.com slash results. And 
uh, part of seeing salary numbers gives people the confidence to not take lower lower job lower lower pay jobs. And I think mm -hmm. the confidence to turn down lower pay jobs is actually a big part of how you get better jobs and higher paying jobs. So Definitely. It, it, it's, it's so important to be able to walk away from an $80,000 job, right? And, and it's hard to do that when you're not making any money at all. But ultimately, I mean, salary to me is like the proxy for a good job. And I'm glad that you took time to describe sort of your day to day and, and all that. And definitely working at DigitalOcean sounds like exactly what I would describe as a, as a really good engineering job. But salary is sort of a proxy for that. And just, I mean, there's very few like low paying and good jobs. If, if those exist, that's fine. Um, I, I think that's, that's okay. But I think there's just that combination rarely exists. Right. And actually, if we can just take a moment on that, I just want to emphasize that during my job hunt, um, I had some opportunities with other companies who kind of were upfront about their salary expectations with me. And they were giving expectations of, you know, anywhere from 70 to 90,000. Um, there was one that was really going to only offer 70,000 if I moved elsewhere in the country. Um, and, you know, it's stressful when you're not making any money and you, you really need to. But I felt I didn't feel that immense pressure to pursue those opportunities because I knew from the capstone salary averages and, you know, having this group of us who are all in it together and sharing knowledge that there were good jobs out there that I just had to, you know, gr you know, just, you know, grin and bear it and just kind of keep working and grinding on the job hunt. And that's where I ended up with where I am at now with something that was way more than I actually anticipated getting. Um, yeah. A company is stingy on salary. They're probably stingy on other things, anything from working remotely or, you know, just benefits in the office and DO has been great with the salary. And they're also great on other things like catered food and the flexibility. So it is definitely, I feel, a good proxy for how you're gonna be treated. You're at a great place, great location, um, great company, obviously uh, amazing pay. Uh, kind of want to take a step back for a sec and just kind of talk about history. Totally forgot to um, kind of give the backstory here. Um, tell us about your, your, you know, your story. How'd you, how'd you get here? How'd you get to, DigitOcean and, you know, going into the office whenever you want and making $137,000. So um, I guess we can start with college because I feel like that's pretty resonant with a lot of people um, kind of like journey-wise. And how far, um, how long ago was that? So I went to college in 2010 and graduated in 2015. 2015, uh, okay. So just, yeah. you're only three years out of college or four years out of college. Right, right. Okay. Um, so went to college, um, kind of bounced around different majors, thought about going to med school, thought about being an aerospace engineer, um, couldn't quite find anything that fit, and I decided to stick with physics. And um, whole intention was to get a degree, go to grad school, get a PhD, and do physics research. And then took one summer to do research abroad um, for solid-state physics and found it was not for me. <laughs> I just did not like the environment. I didn't like the work. Um, and I, I just got a lot of insight from the postdoc who I worked with about just kind of like how poorly a lot of uh, people in academia are paid and their hours mm -hmm. and such. Yeah. It really, it really turned me off on the idea of going to academia. We have um, a lot of academics at launch school. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's very true. Um, 
And so when I graduated, I was just looking for pretty much anything that was semi-technical, but everything was like, oh, like you have a physics degree, but you don't have any technical, like, you know, applied knowledge, like programming or such. Um, so I, I kind of was left in kind of like a weird situation. So I actually ended up doing uh, my first uh, boot camp, which was a health informatics and IT program. Um, okay, and we won't name names. We won't say which boot camp. <laughs> no, no, no. There, there's two boot camps to the story. The first one, we won't name names. And the second one either. But this first okay. one landed me a job at a startup in Miami um, for health care software. And I was not actually a programmer or anything. I was a uh, client manager. Um, oh, somehow okay. that somehow that happened. Uh, so you went to like but, an IT boot camp, and then you ended up being a client manager. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because um, it was like a mix of IT information for the growing field of healthcare uh, IT, but you still had to like meet with clients and meet with like hospitals and doctors. Hmm. Um, but this is an important part of the story because I get there to my first job um, and I grew a lot in many ways, but I also realized I just missed doing something technical. I really missed having these problems that I could solve um, from a technical aspect. Um, and the good thing was that working there, I got to sit near the engineering team and see what they did and just realize that you didn't need to go back to college to get a, a degree and become a software engineer. You could just learn on your own or join a boot camp and then you could be hired and so after around a few years there i decided to do that and i joined a uh, online boot camp um this is before law school this is another boot camp yeah we would we were not okay. it. <laughs> but this was that this was i think okay. 20 uh this was 2016 ish okay early 2016 um and it was an online bootcamp that I could do part-time, and it focused on Ruby on Rails web development. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of work. Was it like a um, typical three-month thing, or six or how, how long was that? It was three months, um, about, I think, around 20 to 35 hours a week part-time. Uh, and it, it was very... It, it, how much it, was it, by the way? Was it, was it expensive, or was it not, not too bad? I think it was about, I think it was about $4,500. Okay. That seems okay-ish. Right. It was, it was okay. It wasn't like the boot camps. You have to like travel to San Francisco and like live there and you paid like 10 grand. Mm -hmm. Like it was to me a good deal, mm -hmm. but it was, it, it turned out that experience just taught me that I wasn't ready yet to be a software engineer. Mm. Um, and the reason why was that it was very cookie cutter. It was, it was like, we're going to teach you Ruby in two weeks. You're going to then jump immediately into Rails and start building web apps. We're going to teach you step-by-step step along the way how to build the web apps so you don't have to think for yourself. And then we're going to cram data structures and algorithms for like one day a week. And then you have... Uh, a mentor session once a week. And lastly, your last four weeks is doing a collaborative project, which was a chess app. And if you didn't finish the app, by the time the, pro the program was done, well, you're done. That's, you're done. That was, yeah. Um, and they, they mentioned having support afterward, but it really wasn't. Did you finish your chess app? We did finish it, but I would not, I would not want to show that to our employer. Uh, it was, it, it had some pretty gnarly code. Um, 
didn't have many tests. It was it was very hard because you just have trying to cram so much knowledge yeah. into three months that you can't really kind of piece by piece understand how everything works. Um, so so I did that, and that's actually a moment when I realized, you know, I have this feeling that I'm not ready yet. Like I don't have a firm foundation, and that the job hunt is going to be really hard, and I might not even get a good job. Um, and that's actually when I did some more research and I found launch school. And see, see, that part is critical, I feel like, where you had the intuition that you needed something more. I think a lot of people just kind of go for it, you know, and they end up with, you know, not a great job, not, not, not the job you have now, like kind of, a, you know, what I always say, like the fast food equivalent of a programming job, right? right? And then you get stuck in this sort of like cycle of bad job and you can't get out of it because you don't have time to study because you're busy mm-hmm. with your job um but then your job's not paying enough to really allow you to do anything else it, it, it's just like this vicious cycle that people get stuck in um, exactly yeah so but you had the intuition to avoid that which i think is really interesting and and i'm glad you did but how, do, you, do you remember like how how you why did you think you weren't ready is it you know what, what gave you that intuition at that point in time that seemed like a critical decision Oh, it was, I think, the most critical decision I made. Um, I think part of it was that I I had been burned a bit in my college degree because I had spent five-ish years bouncing around and finishing with a physics degree that didn't quite end me up in anywhere close to it. Um, and I had struggled a lot in college, actually. It was a big shift from high school. And, you know, it just definitely felt like... Um, like I had just a sense of like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the time to really dive deep and know things at a fundamental level. Um, and for some reason, when I was going through the boot camp, when I finished, I had that same sense again. I had this feeling of that I had near the end of it, just kind of like pushed my way through this thing. Um, but when I actually sat down to critically think about working through an app of my own idea, I just found a lot of points where I was like, how do I do this? What do I do? Like, like I, I was just thinking to myself, I need to make a side project to add to my portfolio for my job hunt. And I just was thinking like, why am I not understanding these bugs I'm getting? Or why, why am I not sure how to move forward? And that's when I realized if this is just for a small side project that I'm doing on my own, what's going to happen if I end up in a job and I don't know how to do this and I'm getting paid for it, I feel like I could have been out the door pretty quick. Yeah, um, yeah. It was, I think it was just a down, a part of, I knew myself and I wanted to set myself up for success and it just didn't feel right. And, and so what, what was the next, next thing you did? What's the next step? Was it just launch school enters a picture at this point? Um, so it was launch school. Um, I had basically decided at that point that I had, I had quit, um, I, was, I was quitting my job uh, I was moving back home to start to save money and job hunt. But then I found launch school in my research to kind of figure out my next steps. And everything about launch school, the way that you all said, you know, this is not for everyone. We're going to take things slow. We're going to learn things deeply. Um, and it's going to take a while, but you're going to be set up for success. It was just so different from everything else out there in terms of teaching people programming that it felt exactly like what I needed. And I could just, and actually one of the biggest things that got me onto launch school was the podcast because you, (laughs) and now you're part of it. 
Yeah, exactly. It feels it feels amazing uh, to come all this way. But yeah, I, I listened to the several episodes, how everyone was saying how much they knew and how they were progressing. And I was like, this is for me. So finished, uh, quit my job, moved home, st- stayed with my family and did launch school full time for almost uh, almost two years. Oh, man. So there's a several things here that I think is so hard for people, because first of all, quitting your job, second of all, moving back with your folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, and third of all, not blaming yourself, like a lot of people, when they encounter um, the education system that we all go through, college, as you said, I think most people have that experience, they just don't vocalize it, right? Where mm-hmm. they're like, is this, is this college? Am I ready? Am I ready to work and make money and, and contribute to the world? Um, I think most people have that experience. Um, and then um, same thing with, you know, learning in any sort of short time duration, trying to cram. Uh, at the end of it, you're like, am, am I ready? Is this is this good? And you just have this doubt in your mind, like, there's got to be more of this, right? Like, it's, it's, it's probably me, because this seems like how everyone teaches and educates people, and mm. education is just done this way. It must be me, right? Like, something's up with me or wrong with me. Like, maybe I'm not cut out for um, software engineering. And I feel like that that's the thing that I really want people to try to overcome, is that there is another path besides just trying to cram for three months. And, um, but it takes a little bit longer and it takes a different type of mentality and approach. Right. And, but you'll get rid of these sort of insecurities and feelings of doubts, especially when you focus on fundamentals. And I think that's just the key. And I think you somehow you were able to perceive that in yourself and, and still have the confidence to again, go back home. Right. Um, a lot, again, a lot of people wouldn't be able to have that. Um, and also the privilege, right? The privilege to do that. A lot of people don't have that privilege as well. So the confidence right. to, you know, talk to your folks about it and, and kudos to them for, you know, <laughs> buying in and not saying, you know, go out there. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I owe them so much and I would not be here without the support they gave me. Um, and I have to, it's just, it's so funny that I, I moved home. I told them all of this and they just trusted me, which blew my mind. I was just like, you don't, you don't expect me to just like start working like you you're like they were like oh we're like glad to have you back home (laughs) (laughs) especially after two boot camps right like you went to two different boot camps and then like you know and and launch school gets thrown into the boot camp bucket a lot and so like you know what's different about this third one right right and i and it, it definitely did take some convincing but i think it was just at that point they also kind of saw that the traditional ways weren't working for me like college trying to do things on that schedule. Um, the job I had, had as a client manager and the boot camp that was also just, you know, on a schedule, you have to do things. And just like, I just, it, I think it became clear to them and me that I was suited for a different approach, which was what launch school was, which was doing something one piece at a time and just knowing it very, very well. And it's just how I got to where I am now. So you're you're sort of in a unique situation, I think, because having gone through sort of a like a traditional bootcamp experience, the three month thing, and then having gone through launch school, both the core and capstone, you know, you're you're in a sort of a privileged position to do a little compare and contrast. Like I get asked all the time, like, can you compare launch school with this other bootcamp? And you know, I haven't gone to any bootcamp, so it, right. it's hard for me to. So maybe you can help help me with that answer that question a little bit um that's that's a pretty common question i get gotcha so so you just want me to tell you like how my boot camp like just worked and like what we covered 
Or, yeah, just maybe the experience is what's different. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, I always try to do a little pros and cons, not just like everything's great about Launch Club, right? I don't want to um, be, be necessarily um, so biased like that. But definitely, I think people are interested in sort of the, the pros and cons for, for either one, uh, either approach. And your, your experience is obviously um, your feelings throughout it as well. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, they, they are, they do have their pros and cons. And, you know, I do believe that there are some boot camp options out there that are strong, that are probably suited to people who do very well just taking in a lot of information over a very short time span. Um, and, you know, I've also heard of some people who, you know, went and did a CS degree, they learned theoreticals, and then they came and did a boot camp for the practical portion and went from there. Um, but I think, I think you just have to do a lot of research to see what their offerings are and their approach. So the root camp that I did, the approach was, like I said, full-time, uh, sorry, uh, part-time. It was remote. Um, and I was basically given these modules that I had to um, go through and check off. And the, um, the modules were basically um, get your development uh, environment set up. Um, and then, and they actually did it with like, a VM, uh, a virtual machine you downloaded just to kind of have your own environment and everything was like the same for every student. Um, and then you, you know, went through, you know, Ruby in uh, two weeks, everything from basic Ruby to object oriented programming. And then from there it's rails 101 and we're going to make a small web app that just is a quote generator. And then down the line, just smaller other projects um, that, you know, with Rails, everything just, as long as you do it correctly, it's all magic and it, you look like you're making so much progress so quickly. Like a web app up and running, it's responsive. It just reminds me of um, the the idea of like a, a outline-driven curriculum or something like that where it's important to cover all the topics and just mm -hmm. list them all. And we used to get that question a lot, less so now, but one question that we used to get all the time is like, do you cover this? And it's like, or I'll get an email saying, here's the syllabus of another program. They cover all this. Do you cover all right. this too? And I'm just like, that's not necessarily the way to think about it, right? Like, just think about anything in the world. Like, if you go to a good restaurant, it's not necessarily the quantity of items on the menu mm -hmm. that really reflects the quality of the restaurant, right? So the depth in which you cover these topics matter a lot. Right. It's not just... Exactly. I'm covering topic X. Yes, you can cover it in, you know, an hour, a day, a week, a month, or a year. Because these topics are have a lot of depth and scope to them. Exactly. So this exactly. sounds like it was very much like we, you know, the time is fixed. We're just trying to jam in as much as possible in this, you know, fixed time duration um, in order to have an, an outline or curriculum that we can show people that just looks impressive. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the whole... Uh, 230 course that Launch School has. Well, I, you know, just the front end development with JavaScript, you know, making things interactive. That same content was given at this boot camp over a week, and right. it just it just it was just it just zipped by. And for people that um, don't haven't taken our 230 course, JS 230 course, uh, it it easily takes a month, two months, right? L like it, it takes a lot of time to do. It takes a lot of time. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say that they were of an outline course. They tried to cover a lot of topics that were very hot and you know in demand um, for 
you know, just people trying to break into the industry. Right. And I'll, I guess I mentioned this too. Like a lot of people also ask like, okay, so um, how do you negotiate the, the scope and depth of each topic? And what we always do is we look at the market and we see uh, we're aiming for these really good companies like DigitalOcean. We're looking at how people um, are being interviewed and what type of skills the employers actually need. Even talking to, you know, people such as yourself been working for six months now, you have a pretty good idea of what you, you know, what skills you need and what skills you're lacking. And so that gets fed back into Capstone. Capstone then gets, uh, what we need in Capstone gets fed back into core curriculum. So all of it is just sort of, it's it's fed backwards like this. So how we decide um, at Launch School, the scope of each topic is really dictated by sort of that end result that we're aiming for. Um, and certainly we can cover any topic in, you know, an hour, right? We can have a tech talk for any of these topics, or mm. it can just be like a full blown, you know, multi-month course. But that, I think it's important to like understand where we're going, like the, the, the goal, right? Um, right. So I wanted to talk about your experience interviewing uh, just a little bit. And also like, why did you choose DigitalOcean? Um, you mentioned you had a couple of other options that were low paying. And I think that's um, that's fine. Were they just low paying because they were like, and, and also like companies weren't as good? Or um, yeah, how did you kind of arrive at DigitalOcean, if you will? Right. So, so I had, when I started the job hunt, I had some kind of, I, I decided to just list out the things that I was looking for just so that I didn't waste my time applying and interviewing with companies that weren't going to be um, providing me with something that I would enjoy the work to do and such. So I wanted, I basically said, I want to find something that is mainly backend focused is that I enjoyed more backend programming um, and designing systems. Um, and I wanted to find a company that um, had flexibility with work, remote work and such um, that had some really interesting challenges um, to solve um, gave benefits like education reimbursement because we're always learning <laughs> but we need to fund that learning and lastly you know just an inclusive and diverse workplace where anyone can just feel at home there um and so that really helped trim things down oh and also something that was like mid mid-size i didn't want to be one of five engineers because i wanted to have a group of engineers to learn from but i didn't want to arrive at like an enterprise gigantic company mm -hmm. where i feel lost in the mix Mm -hmm. So that helped me narrow down who I was interviewing with. It let me focus more time on you know, like sending just, you know, more in-depth and better emails and um, contact um, information to the ones I wanted to interview with. And I could also focus my studies. Um, and so that's kind of like how things started. Um, and I went through, you know, a lot and a lot of interviews. Um, I did have a couple of companies, like I said, that, were low paying mainly because they were more on the smaller side um, and they were looking to get more funding. Um, but ended up in having DigitalOcean as an option and it really just hit all those things that I had just laid out um, that I was looking for. Um, also was helpful that um, another uh, Capstone grad, Sunny, um, worked there. So it was nice to have, you know, someone with a similar background just to kind of like have there as a and vouch, vouch, vouch for the company that's good and all that exactly exactly yeah. um so yeah so i would say DigitalOcean was at the top end spectrum of kind of what i was aiming for and things just turned out in the way that it turned out yeah and obviously you know the the interviewing for 
a company like DigitalOcean, um, it takes all the technical ability you have and, you know, everything that we cover in Core and Capsule and all that. Um, but maybe I wanted to ask you about sort of the, the other skills that maybe is not in Capstone or Launch School as a whole um, that might have helped you to not only get through the interview, but, you know, like be successful at work, um, you know, things like communication and dealing with people and things like that. Sure, absolutely. Um, this is something that I think about a lot, and that's basically like communication skills and having kind of like emotional empathy and just trying to work that in into how you could how you communicate with your teammates and also the people you're interviewing with. Um, it actually, to me, I felt like my experience as a client manager and having to work with clients was helpful. But I think really anyone who just takes the time to think about how they communicate and how they connect with people and just build on that, because it is a skill you can develop, um, really helps. And so, um, you know, because when you're in your interviews, you're not going to just be asked, you know, how would you design the system? How would you solve this coding challenge? You're also going to be asked, how are you going to work with a team? And one question that was often asked was, you're, you know, you and your team are trying to design a new feature, a new system. There's a lot of ideas you feel really strongly about this idea you have. The, other t the rest of the team feels strongly about another idea. How do you approach that situation? And a lot of times, you know, I always said, you know, it's good to have strong opinions on these things, but loosely held. And like just having a conversation of how I would strongly advocate for my position, but if the team overall feels better to go another way, then I would support that decision 100% and help them reach it. And so kind of like, thinking about how you work as a team and how you would handle those kind of situations is important. Um, and it's also important for these things because when you're, you know, in the workplace, especially at DigitalOcean where most of us are remote and most communication is happening through Slack or comments on people's pull requests, it's easy to read something and get an impact that's not intended. And what I mean by that is, you have like, you know, a pull request, you've worked really hard on this feature, you push your code, you get a review, review from your teammates, and your teammates say things, maybe they say something like, this is not a good design for XYZ, or um, they feel that this approach should work better. And, you know, it's easy with this online communication to, you know, read something and take offense to it or the way that things are worded can impact someone um, that's so not how, the way how did you develop? I mean, you have such, I think you're a very natural communicator. You have a lot of, you know, empathy when you're communicating. How, how did you develop that? Like, is is that just out of the box? <laughs> or did you, do, did you do something to specifically address it? I think I developed it because I wouldn't say that I am the most natural at it. Um, I'm kind of one of those people that opens up as I know people better. Um, I really, it was from just like life experiences. You know, I worked as, um, I Wait, worked, how old are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm 27. <laughs> um, um, but no, like I, you know, I had experiences in college working for student organizations um, and such that involved a lot of like meeting new students. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact of the matter is that, you know, a university is very large, there's a whole spectrum of students you meet and encounter with different life experiences. And one of the big things that they taught us that sticks to me to this day is this idea of intent versus impact, which is basically 
you can say something having the best of intentions and someone feels it in a way that offends them. And it could be their feelings are valid because of their life experiences. So the way that I kind of just want to say that is like, I think a lot about how I say things and how I word things because I'm just aware that I could mean something in a, in a certain way and it can be taken in a different way. Did, did, and recognized. That, did that client management experience help at all with that, with this? Uh, it helped out in some ways. It helped out because, you know, I had a bunch of clients and I was working with them um, and making sure that I didn't, you know, because usually it's sometimes like they come to you only when they have problems mm-hmm. and they want you oh, to fix right. it. Yeah. Um, so you have to be empathetic. Um, so I did learn some of that. A lot of what I really learned from my job was um, kind of the importance of communication. And it's, it's a little bit different. Like, first of all, it's like um, usually having consistent communication, even when things aren't great is better than not saying anything until things are fixed because people sometimes care more about being attended to than waiting forever to hear from you until you have a solution. So it's always like good to kind of, you know, have the open communication. Um, Also uh, just, you know, it's okay to have some adversity in communication um, as long as you're both working toward a solution together. I guess it was more just the fact that being a client manager got me comfortable with communicating with people all the time and just seeing a spectrum of kind of how people take things. Um, right, right. Especially maybe and, people not in the, in the most calm mindset, right? You have to deal with that. Definitely. And, I, and definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, it, last thing I'll say about it is like, you know, in that sphere, working with people who come to you and they have problems and they're upset, it kind of made me prepared for interviews because during interviews, even when it's like friendly, you're stressed. You're right. like really stressed. You're stressed out. You don't want to say the wrong thing. But I just kind of like from experience knew that it's fine. It's all going to be fine. Just like continually just like talk about things, talk about yourself moving forward. And, you know, things, you know, usually go well as long as you like respond and, you know, right. keep the conversation going. This is exactly why we do interviews as early as the very first assessment at Launch School, right? Get people mm-hmm. start getting them acquainted with just the, the the live action of an interview. It's very very different than um, just solving you know coding problems. Communication is absolutely critical. Um, you know, it's it's not not just technical, right? Maybe maybe even mm-hmm. more important than technical once you get your foot in the door in terms of growth. The technical part for most people who finish, who can finish, you know, our core curriculum and of course capstone, I'm not worried about people's technical ability and the ability to pick up, you know, new languages or frameworks or um, topic areas that not, not a concern of mine. Really. It's just the, it's the soft parts, the other parts that's important. And I love what you said earlier, you know, strong opinions loosely held. And I think it's really important to recognize that the, the first part's important too. It's, it, it's not just be nice and don't say anything, you know, you have to have strong opinions too, and they have to be well-formed, but loosely held, right? You have to be able to argue for a position, but then back away from it once you all agree that, you know, a, a different position should be taken. So you don't just dig in for the sake of digging in. Um, right. Whenever I talk to employers, they, one of the first questions they always ask is, do launch school students have teamwork experience, experience working as a team, mm-hmm. right? Because it's such a critical component of being a productive team member, learning how to communicate that they don't want to pay that penalty, right? They, they would rather hire somebody who's already like gone through that. 
And I would say right, right. now, probably over 50% of capstone teams encounter some probably mid to severe communication problems throughout their mm -hmm. capstone experience. It's not just all like roses, right? There's a lot of issues with regards to communication because we're working on these really intensive projects. You got a lot of smart people in the room with a lot of opinions. And the hard part is... Sorry, I was gonna say you have a lot on the line too. Exactly, and there's actually stakes online. There's no stake online, it's like whatever, right? There's actually some 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 skin in the game here. Um, and it, it's super important to just learn to deal with it. And every time something like this comes up, you know, I'm always like, take this opportunity to learn, right? This is a this is a learning opportunity. Don't don't just hope for no friction, you know, everything's just gonna go smooth. That happens sometimes, but such an important skill to learn over time. I, I know I've learned the hard way, um, you know, over the course of my career, how important communication is, whether you're under communicating or over communicating or um, how, you know, the, the tone and over email, sarcasm, things like that. Super, super important to just kind of uh, recognize and establish some experience and build some experience in as, as soon as you can. This is what we try to do in Capstone. Um, this is why we have the team projects. Yeah. Definitely. And I just want to quickly add that um, no one's going to care if your solution is the best technically, if you were rude while presenting it and fighting for it. Uh, it's kind of like everyone has to, it, it just has to be like a pleasant experience to work with you. And I've spoken with enough Capstone grads who are working now that have been told by their team that, you know, one of the things that really sold you about us was that it seemed like it would be a pleasure working with you. Exactly. That's a big part of it. People don't understand. It's like... A lot of questions like it's like, how much do I have to learn to get a job here? I'm like, well, yeah, you have to learn a lot and, and be good at it. But you also have to be a, you know, <laughs> charismatic and, and convince others that, you, you know, you're, you're somebody that somebody's willing to sit next to for eight hours a day. Um, and again, last point here on this, but I just got reminded of this article I read about um, a recent Nobel Prize. I believe it was in physics. And they asked him, how did you get it? Obviously, you got to be brilliant, brilliant. But everybody in the lab is brilliant. He goes, yeah, everybody's in the lab is brilliant. I'm probably the least brilliant in my lab. Um, he goes, but the the key was I was able to communicate with everyone, coalesce a lot of ideas together, and you know make uh, an innovative discovery that way. Um, and I think a lot of you know projects, engineering projects, and um, let alone you know um, Nobel Prize winning discoveries, but um, engineering projects is really about. It's not about like individual brilliance. It's about getting people to collaborate with you and be willing to work with you and be willing to help you, you know, reach your goal because they like you, right? Or, and, and it's super, super important. It, it's, it's not about just how much, you know, weight can you lift as an individual, but how mm -hmm. much can you coordinate and, and communicate with a whole team? So, um, all right, before we wrap up here, I wanted to see if you're uh, able to talk about this book that you're working on. So uh, it, uh, we can't name the publisher, I guess, but it's a big name publisher. Everybody will know about it. And it's a book on, uh, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. So kind of through a uh, very fortunate series of events, um, uh, they're a publisher for technical books, um, very well known in the software engineering uh, industry. Um, is in talks with me on writing a book on uh, an introduction to distributed systems for uh, engineers who are just entering the industry. So like one to five years experience. Um, the, the long and short of it actually was that they, they actually approached another capstone grad who couldn't 
take it on because of other commitments and he passed it on to me and now we're in discussions right now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy, but you know, I would tr contribute it to one is that, uh, we have this, you know, community of grads that work with each other and help each other out. And also, um, what really helped in getting to where I am now was that I took the plunge to write and write about my journey as a software engineer, write about some topics and I enjoy it, but it also led them to really start seriously considering me. So it's in the works now. We'll see if, uh, if things go the way and maybe in a year, there'll be a book with my name on it. That's amazing. And you actually gave a talk on this topic, distributed systems, um, in our launch school um, webinar series, our tech, tech talk webinar series a while back, right? Um, yep. And that, and that actual, that presentation I sent to them and they were impressed by it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the presentation? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, that's amazing. So for those who don't know, we, we do um, periodic webinars, usually about once a month um, on various topics um, and totally free and anybody can attend, don't have to be a launch school member or anything. So, um, and one of them was on distributed systems. Escape. So uh, before we wrap up, um, I mean, you're, you're just in an incredible place, right? Where um, working at a great company, making good money, authoring books on distributed systems. Uh, for those listening earlier in the launch school sequence, earlier in the curriculum, maybe some hints as to how, like what they're doing now maps to you know, either your work or how it, it, what they're doing now will facilitate their growth towards in a direction that, that you've already arrived at. Um, any advice there? Definitely. Um, I can tell you that for a fact for my journey, everything in launch school applied to where I, to getting to where I am now and what I do. So um, just the entire journey of studying things deeply, um, mastering concepts, has made a huge impact um, because at the end of it, uh, where I am now at DigitalOcean, I actually program in Golang um, and, you know, we use MySQL as a database and all these other things, but I was able to pick it up so quickly, Golang and the other um, technologies we use because of the fundamentals that I had built at launch school. Um, because at the end of the day, most programming languages operate similarly and a loop is a loop and, you know, understanding scoping, you know, crosses boundaries with languages. So just taking the time to learn Ruby and JavaScript so well, set me up for success to learn another language very, very quickly. In fact, my team was surprised with how quickly I could pick up Golang and just start contributing to the code base. Um, and, you know, everything that's been touched on launch school with, uh, you know, um, back-end development, databases, um, and even the, and the front-end work, and then wrapping that all up for me with Capstone and kind of like taking some advanced topics, um, it's all being used um, at DigitalOcean. So um, I would say that 100% I got the bang for my buck. <laughs> I, I swear that was not planned or anything. Um, uh, not a, not, sounds like a sales pitch, um, but thanks for, thanks for saying that. Um, but that reminds me of this article I'm writing on. It's going to be published really soon. It's called um, Just-In-Time Learning, so JIT Learning, and how basically employers mm -hmm. are just looking for that. They're looking for it. It's not really about do you know this or that. or um, um, It's really about can you learn quickly? And it's not about desire. I think a lot of people who are applying for jobs who are new conflate desire. Like, Can you learn quickly? I have a tremendous desire to learn quickly. I'll pull 80 hours a week. That's not the question. 
right? The question is, do you have the fundamentals to learn quickly, right? right? Do you have the fundamentals? Do you have the ability to learn quickly? Really, it's not about, do you have the desire? Of course, you have to have the desire. But on top of that, do you have the, the prerequisites to, to be able to um, pick up going in two weeks? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if you don't yeah, have the fundamentals, I, you can't, if you, even if you work 100 hours a week, you won't be able to pick it up enough, right? Yeah, I totally agree with that. So, okay, I think that's it. We'll wrap up here. Um, thanks for stopping by, Julius, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Enjoy um, the rest of your, your weekend. Thank you. You too, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Launch School Podcast. Check back for new episodes and don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. 